Is there a day that you can remember that you've just felt unstoppable as a fast bowler? I think when I was bowling and I knew I was on, you just had to make the most of it because you knew there was games where you're going to bowl well and not take wickets or you're going to bowl rat shit and obviously get smacked around. So when I was had a chance and a sniff to, to really take those bags of wickets, I knew I was on. I'd, I'd go big and, and take your five, six or seven fizz. Hello, everyone. Welcome to In The Cordon, the place where every cricketer wants to be. Before we get started, please ensure that you follow our social media pages and you can find In The Cordon on all of your major social media platforms. Today, our guest is a legend of South Australian cricket, Chad Sayers. Chad, how are you, mate? Going well, thanks. You? Yes, I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to our chat today. It's uh, a real privilege to have you in the studio and I'm sure we're going to be talking lots of good things about cricket today. Yes, hope so. Hopefully I can uh, give you some insight into my career. Absolutely. It's time for our opening segment, Chad, which is called Legends and Sledges. Now, you're a fast bowler. You love to be in the heat of the contest. Is there any particular sledge that comes to mind at the moment, either something that you've given to an opponent or something that you've overheard in the field from one of your teammates, or something that you've copped yourself while you're batting? Oh, I don't really get many sledges when I'm batting, mate. I'm not out there overly long to, to warrant any sledging from the bowlers, but it's actually uh, funny you say that because I guess in the latter 10 or 15 years, sledging's probably gone out of the game a fair bit, hasn't it? Oh, Everyone's too nice and too friendly in the opposition and, and get along with people, so... I wish I could give you a real funny one, but I don't have one. But you get all the, or throw him the keys, he can't drive, and they're all the swinging like a dunny door. All those ones still still around um, in the game. But I do remember playing grade cricket one game, and um, I bat in the top six in grade cricket. So I went out, I think after taking a few wickets, uh, and we are four for 20 chasing 230-odd. I think we are playing Northern Districts. And a bloke at point was going on about, oh, he must have heavy shoulders from carrying the side and all this. And anyway, second ball, I reckon I just knocked one in the, in the point where he was fielding and he dove and actually hurt his shoulder. So that was a bit of karma. And um, his coach came onto the field, Russell Thompson. And I'm not sure if he listen, if he listened to this but uh, or if he remembers, but he started sledging me about God knows what. But um, we went from four for 20 to – about four for 320. So yeah, that bit him on the ass. That's a, that's a great um, story. And having played a bit of grade cricket myself, you, it's good when there is that, you know, competitive banter in the field. And I'm sure there would be lots of worse sledges that uh, we, could, uh, we could talk about. But let's talk a little bit about your career now. You retired from first class cricket in 2021. What are your fondest memories of uh, playing for the Redbacks? Yeah, I think as a kid growing up, everyone wants to play at the highest level and to do that, you got to play through your state. And I always wanted to play for South Australia. My, my old man played for South Australia as well. So to be able to do that and, and tick that off the bucket list was, was just great. And to be able to probably do it the hard way, really perform at grade cricket and then get your opportunity knowing that you've earned it just makes it that more special. And yeah, to be able to perform at that level was just, yeah. It was great and just shows all the sacrifice and all the hard work paid off. It's funny that you mentioned your old man. I used to work with your old man at Emmanuel College doing some some coaching. He was a coach of the 
the first and I was just coaching the year sevens. So <laughs> it's funny how Adelaide's just such a small world and you run into people. What have you been doing since your retirement? I know that we were just talking off air before about you doing some coaching for Papua New Guinea, but you've also had a go on the commentary box as well. Yeah, so pretty much straight out of um, retiring, I got a phone call uh, from Carl Sandry, who was the coach of PNG at the time, and they were off to a 2020 World Cup, which um, it's pretty crazy that a little small country like PNG could be involved in. And yeah, I just wondered if I was keen to get my coaching uh, underway and, and be the bowling and assistant coach and, and go over to Oman and be with the PNG side. So that was a great start to get the coaching um, rolling and PNG actually played in Premier League in, in South Australian grey comp for a couple of years as well. So I had a little bit of a tie with them before that and knew a few of the players. So that was great to get the coaching side of things started and yeah, I proceeded to be with them for 18 months and just come to an end in the last last four months. So um, that's a great experience and, and great to put on the resume um, moving forward. And yeah, as you said, also done some commentary with SEN Cricket um, over the 2012-2020 World Cup here in Australia, just gone and and um, the Big Bash as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And you just retired from playing grade cricket as well. You've you played a couple of years at Woodville as well. So what are you going to do with all your spare time that you got off now? Yeah, I was um, lucky enough to go back to Woodville and finish my career where I started. So that was really special for me and my family to um, go back there and finish off and just don't have the, the will and the want to probably uh, train at that high level and, and perform at the level anymore. So um, it was time to move on and I'll probably still stay involved in the game at, at Woodville in some coaching capacity and probably play a little bit of cricket in the turf comp down at Grange Dolphins, which I've heard that you've played for. Yeah, I didn't hit a ball off the square while I'll I was to, playing I'll for Grange. Look at, look at the honour board and, and see your name up there. Oh, you won't find it. <laughs> you won't find it, mate. Um, Chad, you've taken a number of five-wicket hauls playing for South Australia and you've done things that you know kids growing up dream of. Is there a day that you can remember that you've just felt unstoppable as a fast bowler? A day that comes to mind was um, you took a hat-trick against... Queensland. I was at that game actually. <laughs> You've got Marnus who nicked a ball off to to Kez, I reckon. You know, what days really come to mind when you're just talking like I am unstoppable. I'm gonna get every bloke out. Before we got get onto that, that was actually an unbelievable game. That uh hat trick game is the first game of a season. I can't remember what year it was, 15, 16, around then. And the first three wickets I took was was the hat trick. We only took four for the get for the day, so we only took one more for that day, and three were in three balls. Queensland got heaps, we got heaps. Queensland were two for a hundred and fifty odd with nearly a two hundred lead, and going in the end of day three, and we we're going home on the night of day three, thinking, "Oh, it's going to get called off at tea time tomorrow. It's going to be a draw." And we came out the next day. I took two wickets in the first over. Adam Zampa took four, I had six, bowled Queensland out with a 270-run lead and we went out and won the game. So that was one of the best games I've ever played in. So we got that over. But going back to your question about if you just feel unstoppable, I think every five-wicket haul you probably take you during that, that spell or the innings, you, you just know that you're all over a batsman. And 
I think when I was bowling and I knew I was on, you just had to make the most of it because you knew there was games where you're going to bowl well and not take wickets or you're going to bowl rat shit and obviously get smacked around. So when I was had a chance and a sniff to, to really take those bags of wickets, I knew I was on, I'd, I'd go big and, and take your five, six or seven fizz. Yeah, that's amazing to to hear from from your perspective and your continuous success for South Australia led to your debut in Test cricket for Australia in March of 2018. It was an extraordinary tour for for obvious reasons that everyone probably knows about. You got presented your cap by Adam Voges, who is the second got the second best average ever for Australia. So that's, that's a pretty nice thing. But what were your emotions, you know, when you were told that you were playing, the morning that you received your cap from Adam, and then later in the day where you took the wicket of AB de Villiers with the second new ball, because that was a crucial moment in that game. Yeah, obviously I've been in, in the squad for a, for a fair few years after performing pretty well in, in Shield cricket. So I was around the mark and it was still frustrating because you know you're that close to playing for your country, which is the ultimate goal that that you want to succeed. And um, so I was a bit frustrated, obviously being involved and not playing. So yeah, to be able to receive that baggy baggy green cap, as I said before, it's just I guess ticks off the sacrifice and that you 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 make yourself, your family makes, and everyone involved in your career makes. But yeah, there was a hell of a week, obviously, with the disappointment of what happened um, in the game before in Cape Town. It was a draining week. So to get the news that I was playing, just, I guess, put a positive spin on on that week. And it was unfortunate that my wife was there and she'd just gone home a couple of days before after family period, not thinking I was going to play. And But, yeah, it was a special moment when Adam, who me and him had a... a Fair few tussles over our careers in shield cricket. And as you said, he when he got his chance, he really took it with both hands. And I was able to run drinks for him when he was um, making double hundreds in New Zealand. Another funny story. He um, That game, I remember, he, I think, nicked off to Doug Bracewell on zero or two. And uh, the umpire called a no ball. And this I was, remember that. This was before the no ball and the reviews. So... Came up in the replay and his foot was half and half, and they couldn't re- overturn turn the decision. He went on to make a double hundred, and Australia won by probably an in innings, I think. And we actually became number one in the world in 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 that Test series, which was another highlight of my career. But yeah, the Test match and and to be presented that the cap from Adam Voges was was great. And yeah, as you said, to be able to get maybe De Villiers out with your first wicket, it's what dreams are made of, and. I actually thought I bowled pretty well in the first innings and in the first day I bowled a fair few overs without any luck. And when he did nick it and went upstairs, oh, my uh, heart went in my mouth and I thought, bloody hell, he hasn't hit it and I'm still going to be wicketless and I'm not going to get a wicket. But fortunate enough, big spikes went on the, the review and uh, I had my first test wicket. Looking to sell your property with confidence? Look no further than Ray White Henley Beach. Their agents are equipped with the knowledge, skill and experience to help you get the most out of your property. And now there are some exciting new opportunities open for auction soon, including a beautiful plot of land in Seaton and stunning houses in Henley Beach and Somerton Park. So why wait? Book a free appraisal with them today and see what Ray White Henley Beach can do for you. Obviously, I'm South Australian biased in saying that I think you should have played more test matches for Australia. 
you know, you were consistently taking, you know, 50 wickets in seasons, you know, season after season. And, you know, a lot of people were frustrated in South Australia that you weren't selected for multiple test matches. Do you feel the fact that you weren't an express bowler? You know, you didn't bowl 140, 145 clicks that you see Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins bowl. Do you feel like that went against you in selection? And do you feel like you were hard done by the selectors at the time? 100% that went against me most of my, my career. But not to say that, Australia had the best four, four bowlers going around for pretty much from the time I started playing shield cricket. So it was always going to be hard to break into that side. And when the side's winning continuously, you're not going to change the side and a winning formula, are you? So I think that the pace definitely would have gone against me if you can pick a bloke bowling 140 or 125 to 130. You're going to go the pace probably. And that's what the selectors went with. Whether I'm hard done by, I probably didn't get to play when I was at my peak and performing my best. But as I said, the four bowlers that were playing were outstanding for Australia and still are. And Jackson Bird was another one who really excelled at shield cricket and didn't probably play enough. Yeah, the funny thing that you you mentioned Jackson Bird and probably Peter Siddle as well, who were similar type of bowlers to yourself. Between yourself and Bird was only 10 tests. I feel like, you know, Jackson Bird played a lot more test cricket than that. Yeah, and he performed when he when he got his opportunity as well. I remember I was over in New Zealand when he took a fire for him, bowled beautifully. So he was definitely up to that level and felt sorry for him as well. And he's probably in the same category as myself. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. Chad, when did you feel like you were at your best? What's the best season that you can remember for South Australia? Oh, definitely when I took my 62 wickets the the season before I debuted for Australia. As you said, I felt like when I had the ball in my hand, I was unstoppable. I was always walking over the white line thinking I was going to go out and take Pfeiffer. And I think I did that 62 wickets and took zero wickets in one of the games against New South Wales at the SCG as well. So, yeah, I felt unstoppable that year. That's that's incredible to talk about. Chad, you, you love the soccer. You love South Australian cricket. How do you see the state of the Redbacks at the moment? There was a number of years ago that Mike Hussey came in and did a external review of, you know, things that the SACA could do to potentially reshape grade cricket to therefore, you know, improve the pathway for players looking to play for the Redbacks. How do you see the squad at the moment? Jason Gillespie's had two years at the helm coming into the final year of his contract. How do you see the Redbacks at the moment? Yeah, I think results are the key, aren't they? And unfortunately for the Redbacks, they haven't been performing all that well. But now it's good to see some young local kids get their opportunity and perform. You've got Daniel Drew in there now scoring hundreds for fun in grey cricket, gets an opportunity, scoring double hundreds at shield cricket. So I think we need to breed our own talent and there is enough there, I think, if they get the opportunities to become good shield cricketers. Um, I think our bowling socks are really healthy. Nathan McAndrew, Wes Agar. Jordan Buckingham, Brendan Doggett's here. So we've got enough bowling depth, I think, to be a good shield side as well and, and win games. We just need to be more consistent with our batting, get scores above 350 in the first innings and, and set the game up that way and have a, have a total for our bowlers to defend. And one thing that we've seen is a lot of cricketers, you know, come in from Big Bash and really surprise. And one of those for South Australia is 
Spencer Johnson. Um, you would have obviously spent some time with, with Spencer. How do you see his rise in Shield cricket and obviously in the BBL formats as well? It's been pretty quick, hasn't it? I think that goes down to these previous seasons with his body. He's, he was in the robot squad when I was at the back end of mine. And um, unfortunately for him, his body just kept getting injured and he couldn't get on the park for a continuous period. So um, now he's fit and strong. His body's holding up. He's, he can put those performances in, in in club cricket bowling 20, 25 overs in a game. And, um, yeah, Brisbane took a punt with him, I guess, and, and he performed well in the big bash. He's bowling 140 to 145, which is great, swinging the ball, getting wickets early, which is what we want as a bowler. So, yeah, and then to get an opportunity with the Red Bull as well and take five from your first game, what a start. And it's a rapid rise for him. I hope they don't burn him out too quickly. And, and I know he's in the Australia A side as well, which is great, but let him just find his feet at Shield Cricket, um, perform for a couple of seasons and... If you can do that, then I'm sure he's uh, set for bigger things. Chad, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about being in the media. You talked earlier in the show about doing some work for SEN. Is it difficult to make comments about blokes that you've played with? No, nah, I don't think so. I'm a pretty straight up and down bloke, so I'm going to say it how, how it is. And I guess when you go into the media, that's that's your your job, isn't it, to have opinions on people and whether it's having an opinion on a bloke you know or having an opinion on a bloke you don't know. It's probably easier to have the opinion on a bloke you don't know than a than your, one of your mates pretty much. So, But I guess that's what you get when you go into the commentary box or into the media. You, you're there to comment and I'm going to tell it how it is. Australia's just announced their squad for the World Test Championship final and the Ashes. And to me, it's quite surprising to see that a bloke like Michael Nisa is not picked and a lot I'm going to say really unpopular opinion and I don't think that Scott Boland should have played that test match at the MCG I thought Nisa had been around that squad for a good two or three year period as 12 pretty well the 12th man and you know Boland's just been able to to race in front of him in the pecking order which is you know good on Scotty but you know, I still feel like that's pretty rough on Michael Nisa. And you're someone that's had, you know, problems with the with the selectors and, you know, being on the luck, unlucky side of things. You know, what advice would you give to someone like him at the moment? And overall, what are your thoughts on the squad? Yeah, I think that is one of the most unluckiest selections, Michael Nisa not, not being in that squad. He's a swing bowler, seam bowler, and England can be conducive to that, can't it, with the Duke ball. It can swing around corners. So... Uh, for him not even to be in the squad is pretty disappointing, especially after another 40 wicket season, probably nearly 400 runs I think he got. So his all-round ability, he's a great fielder as well, great team man. So not to have him in, in the squad is pretty disappointing and he'll be he'll be flat about that. But as you know, it's a, it's a tough sport, isn't it? You can only pick 11 players in its side, 15 on tour or whatever they're taking. So he's just got to keep his chin up and keep performing. And if there is another injury, then... He slots in and he'll take with both hands. And yeah, I think Scotty Bolland obviously is a great bowler and he's performed at shield level as well. But he probably has been lucky in his test matches. He's played on conducive wickets and he's put the ball in the right areas and he's got the rewards. So he definitely warrants his spot in the side, I think, now after performing in most matches he's played. And I think it's another strong squad. Um, we see Josh Inglis back in. As a backup keeper, Mitch Marsh comes back in, whether or not he plays at that number six or five. Looking forward to Travis Head performing well again and hopefully Alex Carey can have another good series. 
you know, Trav started off the Indian tour on not the most positive note after being dropped from the first test. And you were really <laughs> critical on Twitter about, um, you know, your support of Travis Head and, you know, what a interesting decision it was by the selectors to leave him out of that game because as soon as uh, Pat at the toss was like, oh, Trav's not playing, I was just like, oh, he must be injured. Um, but, yeah, that was a complete shock. And I understood Hanscom playing in those conditions and he was one of the batsmen that really stood up in those first two tests when Australia were not performing at their best. But what's your relationship like with Travis Head and how, how did you see that Indian tour as well? They were pretty good mates to um, chat all the time and, and talk. So he obviously was there for my whole career at the Redback, so he had a pretty strong bond. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was astonishing that he didn't even get picked in that first test. Yeah, he didn't have a good series in the spinning conditions before that in Sri Lanka and against Pakistan, but there's only one way to improve, and that's by playing in those conditions. So for him not to get that first chance ahead of Renshaw was pretty astonishing. I couldn't believe it, especially after the summer he had at home, So which he pretty much won in a series. So, yeah, that was uh, – I found that disappointing, so I just viewed my opinions, and um, it got a little bit of traction, so that's what Twitter's for. I, I immediately, we were just talking off air and immediately as you sent out that tweet, I was just like, that is just spot on. And that's pretty much how every Australian or South Australian felt. Probably a lot of people around the country felt the, the same way as well. And how do you see the state of, you know, cricket in Australia? You know, we've played well in our own backyard. You know, we beat up the West Indies and uh, an underperforming South African side. You know, started off the Indian tour slowly, but was able to get back into that series in the third test, thanks to, you know, some magic from the GOAT. But overall, how do you see test cricket in Australia? And do you think that Australia will uh, be able to handle basball? <laughs> that will be uh, some good viewing, won't it? We've seen um, how England have been going over the last few series, how they attack the game and just play with no fear. So... It'll be a test for Australia, but they just got to hold hold strong and just bowl. I always said good balls are good balls. And if you're bowling good balls and you're getting hit for six and there's not much you can do about it, but I think Australia, their bowlers will be too good for England if they're going to play like that. And I think that's why Australia's test side has been so good over the last four, five, six years and they're still good now. It's nearly as strong as I've ever seen their test side. Um, Their batting's going well apart from probably that one spot up the top, which is a lot of airtime about David Warner. Will he play? Won't he play? I thought Cameron Bancroft was probably stiff, not to mean the squad as well. So Marcus Harris is in there. He's doing well for Gloucestershire over in England. Will he play? Um, but I think their stocks are great. Um, their bowling depth is still unreal. They've still got young bowlers waiting to come in. And I think the series against England is going to be a great one. Hopefully they can dust India off um, and get that that series boosted and and going the right way before the Ashes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Australia do have the advantage in that World Test Championship final because all the Indians will come from playing IPL and, you know, the the likes of Warner, um, Josh Hazelwood are playing IPL at the moment. So they'll, you know, come into England at the same time. But you've got Smith playing county cricket, you've got Harris playing county cricket, you know, you've got guys here in Australia preparing. So I'm expecting us to be favourites for that game against India at the Oval and Stark has a really good record at the Oval as well. So the Ashes, 
yeah, it's an interesting one. If England continue to play the way they are, it will be a very interesting series, and I reckon it's one that will go down to the wire. Before we finish up, I heard a rumour in the local footy circuits about you warming up for a game of footy in your baggy green. Can you confirm whether this is true? That is not true. My baggy green has not left my safe since coming home, so not true. But um, I did play a couple of games of footy down at Flinders Park last season in the D grade with a few mates and can confirm that my boot was red after that game. So, Yeah, I heard it was a bit of leather, <laughs> leather poisoning against Lockleys. For... I, think, I think 45 each game, couple of goals. So that was enough for me. Uh, I was going to say, if you'd had a, <laughs> a warmed up for a footy game in your baggy green, that would have been the most alpha male sort of energies <laughs> that you'd ever see. Nah, I wouldn't have done that. That would have been a little bit disrespectful to the hat. And nah, that's in a safe spot at home. And won't be venturing out anytime soon. I probably can put it in a in a frame now. I don't think I'm going to need it any anytime soon. So, well, Chad, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the cordon. It's the place where every cricketer wants to be. Um, yeah, it's been a real privilege to to chat with you today, and it's great to find out so much more about you and your amazing career for South Australia and Australia. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. To those of you who are watching at home, make sure that you follow In The Cordon on all of our social media pages and we'll see you for our next episode. Cheers.